0: Hey there. In these uncertain times, I know that you and your families have been affected in some way or another by COVID-19. For the Williams family, what that looks like is Lexi is out of school currently until mid-April, and they're looking at uh, doing online education At some point, I don't know if it'll be before or after that, but that's where she is. And she's been trying to find ways to express herself creatively and was disappointed because she had just made a role for a spring musical at her school. Justice actually decided over Christmas break that college wasn't the direction that he wanted to go. And so he made the decision to stay home and to pursue an entrepreneurial path where he has started a business cleaning up construction debris from job sites. And he's been successful so far. His business has slowed a bit since the virus has just impacted all of our lives. But he's pursuing some online education about building a business right now. He's staying home and uh, going to work when work is available. Jeremy is continuing to build patios for people as that comes available. We're just thankful that his work is still continuing and that he can do it in a safe way. Everyone is feeling pretty good at the moment and uh, we're just trying to protect others and protect ourselves. And we would love to hear from you about what is going on in your family, how you're doing and what measures you've taken. But I wanted to share with you that as I listened to this episode and edited it for you, I realized there was no coincidence that this episode is coming out right now. I mean... It feels like everything in life is canceled. We have much more downtime to spend because the plans that we had are no longer our plans. And so in this episode where I interview Tara Ross, and I'll tell you a little bit more about her in a minute, but I want to tell you what we talk about. So we talk about the intersection between creativity and mental health, and that is such an important thing right now, preserving our mental health as life has been flipped upside down. We talk about how our lives are impacted by story and how fiction can be a really valuable tool for you and your student in sparking conversations just about real-world issues. And and maybe there's a buffer where the story isn't necessarily true that helps to make those conversations more readily available. So in a world that feels really chaotic and frenzied, you're going to love Tara because Tara's pace and perspective offers us Peace and space to process these things. And I know that you're going to be so encouraged. So, having said all of that, welcome to Lively Conversations brought to you by Table 112, where we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I would love it if you would subscribe and share this with your friends. Go back and listen to some of the parent and teen episodes together. This is a bonus episode just for parents. If you find one that's particularly helpful, pass it along to someone. I am your host, Dana. Today, my guest, Tara Ross, lives with her husband, her two daughters, and their rescued fur baby in a field of cookie-cutter homes near Toronto. She works as a school speech-language pathologist and mentors with local youth programs. When Tara's not writing or reading all things young adult fiction, you can find her rock climbing, planning her family's next jungle trek, or podcasting on the Hope Pros podcast. Her debut young adult novel called Fade to White will be released in May and tackles the interplay of faith and anxiety in one young girl's life. Let's jump to my lively conversation with Tara. Tara, hey, (laughs) welcome to Lively Conversations, a parents-only episode, and I have noticed that you have this really big sense of adventure. Can you tell me, like, where did that come from in
1: you? (laughs) I have always had this need to try new things, and it was funny. When I met my husband, we immediately clicked because he shared that same joie de vie, is a French term for joy of life. and. I think, you know what, it came about as I became a teenager. I don't think I was a particularly adventurous child. And at some point I came into myself and I realized, who cares if I make a fool of myself or maybe fall down? Um, It's, you know, life is worth living. And um, yeah, I just automatically kind of did this switcheroo around university age and started to travel more often on my own and took up some more extreme sports. (laughs) Yes. Tell the listeners about that. Um, Well, my husband and I met rock climbing, so we are both avid climbers now. We um, are shareholders at a gym around the corner from us, which is very convenient. Nice. And uh, in Canada, we have the joy of lots and lots of snow, so we also snowboard, (laughs) and we're just teaching our kids now, so it's a, a fun and patient-driven activity, (laughs) trying to teach little ones to uh, snowboard. Um, So we're actually switching them over to skiing. Okay. Um, But yeah, otherwise, you know, we just – I love traveling and I love – whenever we go somewhere, we basically find the most – thrill seeker oriented activity and do it.
0: (laughs) That's so fun. When we were in college, my husband tried to, we weren't married at the time, but he tried to teach me how to snowboard and I've only done it a handful of times, but he's like, okay, you just point point the front of it and then you like carve back and forth. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Before we go anywhere, you're going to teach me how to stop. Yep. <laughs> I'm thinking he forgot a few important steps in there. <laughs> I'm sure he was not a legit snowboard instructor. So, uh, but we we all survived. So that's all good. Um, but I'm excited about our conversation today because we're going to be talking about uh, young adult fiction and how that can springboard some conversations in your family. And so I just think this is such a unique angle. And uh, my daughter has been an avid reader in the past and has kind of dwindled away at that, but I'd love to re-spark that and have that spark some meaningful conversations between her and me. So I'm excited to talk to you, and get some ideas from you about this. Absolutely.
1: So around here – oh, go ahead. Did you have something? Oh, I was just going to say that makes my heart sing to hear that you want to re-spark that joy for reading because it is – it's hard as a teenager to find the time and to make it a priority when there are so many other sources of media that are pulling your attention and friends and school. So – yeah. Books kind of get the back burner sometimes, but I am all over re-inspiring that joy for her. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, totally, exactly
0: my pain points, what you said. It's, those are the things that pull her away is uh, social media and friends and other other interests. So yeah, around here at Table 112, one of the things that we like to talk about with parents is starting with me. And for me, that means um, if I'm going to leave my family well, I need to take a look inside, and I need to straighten out some things in my own heart in order to be prepared for that. So, can you describe the importance of creativity and the arts in establishing a positive
1: mental health and self-esteem for teens, and also for us as adults? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that everyone has a creative side to them, and you know, if we look at our world and our creator he was the ultimate artist in, in what he's created around us and he created us in his image. And so he wanted us to partner with him in being able to produce beautiful works. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the more worldly um, responses to what is success. And so things like art sometimes take the back-, the back burner again um, when we're going on to pursue careers and looking for things that will offer us stability and money sometimes as well. Um, And that was the case for me. So I think when I was a teenager, I was very academically driven and things like drama and writing for pleasure and creating were not things that were seen as high priorities. And I think that had an influence on my own mental health. So from that own experience, um, I really do think for teens, it is so critical. One of the reasons I love working with teenagers and young adults is that they're often at the beginning of exploring those creative gifts. They -hmm. might've had a couple of people encourage them along the way. Maybe they say that they have a musical talent or are really good at sketching, um, but they've never actually done anything with that. And I love being at that crossroads of exploring how God has given them different types of gifting and how they can actually use those to encourage others and that they might be part of their ultimate purpose for why they're here. And that that's something that should really be explored and appreciated. Um, And how that reflects back on mental health is, well, mental health is all encompassing. So from my background, I actually went into school for health science. So we learned a ton about where ultimate health comes from. And in particular, mental health, it's all about finding balance. So along with really important things like sleep, eating well, exercise, finding that positive, healthy community, there's also this aspect of feeling good about yourself. So having Mm -hmm. positive self-esteem. And one of the ways that teens and adults can do that is by finding an aspect of themselves that's unique, that they feel really good at, that they can contribute to the world. And often that comes through, arts and um, a creative aspect of who they are. So I really do think that as part of an overall balanced life and achieving really good mental health, we need to offer opportunities for youth to really explore those creative aspects of who they are. And those might be the things that, again, give them that self-esteem boost and allow them to feel like, wait, I have a huge part in this story that God has given me. And one part of that might be through what I can create and um, share with other people.
0: That's really beautiful. And it resonates with me. Um, During December, actually over Thanksgiving, Lexi decided that she wanted to make one of those giant chunky knit blankets. So we went and bought her the really thick yarn and got her started on it. And she got it about halfway done. And it is still halfway done (laughs) as we speak. (laughs) But I watched her doing that and I thought, I think I'd like to do that. And so I started making one. I had it done in an evening and decided to gift it to a friend. And before Christmas came around, I'd done four of them. And I mean, I'm not really good at it, but I found that I could create something. And I loved that I actually finished something with my hands being a ministry for so long, it's hard to actually um check something off the box and say it's really done. Cause when you're yeah. in the business of um helping people grow in their faith, <laughs> you never quite finish the end of that. And so yeah. I love the finishing of the that process and then just being able to have something in my hands to hold and to give to somebody that they felt like they could wrap up in and be hugged anytime. Aww. So, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It was great. And I, and I also noticed just that release of like doing something that mattered but it didn't really matter, you know? Like yeah. if I finished it it was great. If I didn't finish it the world would still stay spinning. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And there's something yep. wonderful about um not having to make it perfect and knowing mm-hmm. that this is something coming from your heart and people are gonna love it no matter what. <laughs> Absolutely. Just feels yeah. good, right? Uh, yeah, totally.
0: Uh and you know, I would say I'm not a knitter or a crochet or whatever. I have no idea how to do that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was a great outlet for me. So this mm-hmm. is uh that's encouraging, just that that mental health and that restoration to us. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share about that, the starting with us aspect?
1: Um, yeah. No, just that I think um, when you look at mental health resources that are available to adults and teens today, um, one of the really critical parts of like a therapeutic model is that sort of creative element. So there's a lot of pr- art programs that come with um, when you're in counseling and a lot of resources that are out there right now are actually related to things like journaling and doodling. Mm. And taking your mind off of your anxiety or uh, if you're in a a place that's really low, um, you know, drawing something that is a highlight for you, Um, taking moments to think about things that you're gracious and gratitude. Um, Those are other really great strategies that I've found from working with youth that, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. Nobody has to see it. Um, (laughs) But again, just writing out the words, sharing... um, a small part of your heart on paper, in a chunky blanket, like <laughs> however <laughs> yeah. that might look, it is so healing. Um, and again, I think God's given us this this piece of us that wants to create, um, and that's a part of who we are. And I think we really need to to relish in those gifts that we have, mm, for
0: that's sure. Beautiful, yeah.
1: So, I'm going to switch gears
0: on you a little bit here, and we'll we'll talk about the second thing that we often talk about with parents is partnering in community and just the importance of sitting in circles and looking eye to eye and, um, you know, having having people in your corner. So, mm-hmm. can you talk to us a little bit about why stories matter? Oh, I could talk to you for
1: hours, but I'll try <laughs> yeah. to be brief. <laughs> Fair enough. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I, again, I'm coming from a place of learning because when I was in high school, I was not someone who would spend hours on end with books. And I never really took a lot of time to think about what kind of stories were coming into my mind. But stories are all around us, not just in the books we read, but of course in the Bible, but on TV, in our conversations. They're what we build our own narratives around. So we're hearing these story structures. So we create our own, what we call character arcs, the path that we're taking in life. We identify different problems. We face obstacles. um, And we hit really horrible moments like they do in books and on television shows um, where we're having like these heart racing climaxes um, Mm -hmm. that ultimately bring us to a conclusion. So the thing about culture today though, is that a lot of the stories that we're pummeled with on a daily basis are not hope-filled stories. So the highlights on a news show, um, the quick comments on Twitter or on Instagram, they're showing us a snapshot. um, And we're often surrounding ourselves with partial snapshots of people's lives. So we're either seeing these epic fails and tragedies, um, a lot of the reality shows tend to focus on that kind of stuff. Or we're seeing um, these stories that are only half of what is really happening. So again, Mm -hmm. with social media, we get a lot of that where we're only seeing the shiny happy moments, the perfect angles. Um, And there's this really um, famous quote by Charlie Jones that my husband uh, shared with me. You will be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the people you meet and the books you read. So this is where I bring it back to books, because I really do think there's something unique about a story structure in a book that we don't always get on the social media, quick conversations, and even the TV shows. Um, I think as parents, we're really keen in those early years to pick out the stories that our children are reading, instilling those good morals, and if you're Christian, those godly principles. But as we're getting older um, and extracurriculars are increasing along mm-hmm. with things like homework and <laughs> we have less and less time to read alongside our children, we're not taking as much time to think about that piece. And so we're letting the world stories come in and fill in those gaps. But if we're there when they're picking those books, if we uh, decide to read along with them, Then we're entering into those longer stories with them. So we can say, you know, if those characters get into a place where they're in conflict after conflict, we can ask those tough questions right there. You know, what's happening in their life? Have you ever felt that way? Mm -hmm. And, you know, as they get to those black moments, those really tough times, again, as parents, we're, we're right alongside in that story with them. And we can say, wow, I wonder how they feel in that moment. Have you ever felt that way? And it's a lot easier entry point, right?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So if I hear you right, you're saying that reading
0: novels together can open the door to conversations that might not normally happen.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I would I would definitely say that like, stories are this really safe way because they're not our story, but they are trying to resonate with us. So one of the interesting things about authors is they are looking at lives in a different lens than the average person might be. (laughs) They're really trying to find those moments that will resonate and connect with their reader. And so they're picking up on Uh, feelings and experiences that many people will have had in the hopes that that will take you deeper into their story. So that's something intentionally that authors do. And I feel like why not as parents take those opportunities, knowing that they've probably connected with our kids on a visceral level, Mm -hmm. and then using that as our opener, because they're already in a place most likely where they're feeling um, a little bit more vulnerable, because it has it a nerve, um, whatever that story content might be.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really smart way of approaching that. I mean, part of the whole premise of this lively Conversations podcast is to tell stories that open up the door. But I love this idea of connecting it back to stories where somebody intentionally plotted out the rising action and the, and the climax and then mm-hmm. some kind of a conclusion rather than you know, just a snapshot of uh, somebody's life. in the middle of it. Yeah. So, um, can you talk to us about some ways that parents can partner in their community to make what they're reading relevant in real life? Sometimes we pick up books and, or, or things, yeah, we're reading things and it doesn't necessarily connect. So how can we partner in community and do that together?
1: Yeah, I think it's tough because as parents, you don't want to be telling particularly your teenagers, what they should and should not be reading. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so sometimes we need to be brave and step out there in, in what they're interested in um, and basically say, you know, what are the things that you're actually working through right now? Let's see if we can find a book that we maybe want to read together. Um, again, I write sort of what they consider clean or Christian-based YA. So the stories that I'm writing are going to automatically be within a scope that parents who are of the same faith would re- resonate with. But even if you could decide to go beyond that, um, I think it's even more important that you need to be reading alongside them so that there is that engagement in saying, okay, I get why the author did this, but do you agree with it? Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be that media influence no matter how hard we try against it. That's just part of being a teen in the world today. Um, But if we can help them find those stories that actually do have hope um, and maybe help them in those moments Find ways to connect it to their life and realize where maybe that character who, if it is is more just mainstream story, where that struggle might be coming from and how from your worldview and hopefully the worldview that you share with your children, um, that could have been different or that could have been, um, helped through God coming alongside them in that story. Um, again, I think those are tough questions, but they're, again, they're that opener that allows you to go into those tougher topics, like what they believe in or loss and death and what happens after you die. Or in again, with my stories, mental health, um, if a character is struggling with fear, what does that mean in the context of your faith? Um, Hmm if you're approaching, you know, the edgier topics like relationships and sex and the outcomes that come from that, you know, what can we learn from this and how would you approach it if you were in that situation now knowing what came afterwards?
0: Yeah. I think that's, it's so important to be able to get to those deeper conversations and to yeah. have them on an ongoing basis. And one of my favorite quotes is uh, Kara Powell said, doubt isn't toxic to faith, silence is. And so mm. having those conversations where- Parents tend to be a little bit afraid of having them, but the having the conversation is actually what helps the teenager work out the doubt that they're feeling. Oh,
1: absolutely. And anything that is named is manageable, right? Right. Yeah. And I really do think like one of the biggest forms of spiritual warfare for everyone, teens in particular, is apathy in not realizing that they are in this battle and that there are going to be issues and struggles in the world and they're going to have to face those. And as parents, if we aren't aware of that ourselves and not willing to acknowledge that this stuff is going to come and we need to be willing to say, hey, let's, let's tackle it in whatever way we can. And if books don't work for you, then again, you guys have a great podcast that offers those conversation starters in a different way that I think, again, are necessary. And even with my children who are a little bit younger, um, I'm realizing that those conversations need to start now because mm-hmm. I can see where they're headed when I look at the students who I support in my ministry work and mm-hmm. knowing that the problems that they're seeing and, and facing don't go away. They, they simply either grow if they haven't had a chance to talk about them and find, you know, really good coping strategies or the right conversations or the right teaching um, or, they can become something that's manageable and still present. Um, like again, mental health is not something that we can say, "Oh, it's automatically solved." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something that right. people are constantly um, having to uh, come back to and find ways to live in a way that is is healthier for them, and and you know, constantly coming back to depend on God and knowing that He's there with them through those struggles. Um, But again, that's one of the reasons why um, as parents, it's so important that we partner within their story and and get to know what those hurdles are in whatever way we can. Yeah. Which
0: leads me into our next conversation, which is about engaging with intention. And you've been banging on this door the whole time. So this will be an easy one to transition to, (laughs) this idea of really um, engaging our kids in meaningful conversations. So how does reading about a character struggle? Um, Why is that important for teenagers?
1: Yeah, well, no one's perfect. Um, And I think, again, as I said before, like conventional media and social media paint this very different picture of that. So I think we really need to venture in with them and look at their feeds and um, look what they're reading and what they're watching and have an awareness for the fact that they're getting this story and this um, understanding that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. We don't have often get a lot of details about the journey um, that led them to the point that they're at. And so, again, what I was saying before with the idea of using novels, it, it gives this opportunity to see a longer journey and. Um, it gives us a chance to see that struggle as being not something that is a snapshot or a picture, but that there's a lot of things that have led up to that moment. Um, realizing that, you know, everybody, whether an influencer online or um, one of their friends that behind every moment in their life, there is a wrestling with their belief. There is um, mistrust. There is moments of grief. Mm -hmm. There is um, most likely stress and mental health um, that they have been battling or have battled. Um, And again, the statistics are just so incredible in, in knowing that there's so many people, particularly teenagers, who are struggling with that stress. Um, like 75% are experiencing elevated stress, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> which is just like, ah, <laughs> basically everyone at some point is going to be in that place where they really need to be engaged with those tough conversations. Um, and if we as parents just even sit down and, and read with them for a little tiny chunk of time, um, I think it gives them that. That buy-in to say, hey, you know, she's interested in what I'm actually trying to do here, or he's interested. And mm-hmm. that says something, too, about your relationship with them. Like, wow, they're, they're trying to engage with me, um, whatever that might be. And then your chance to have them engage with something that's more interesting for you is also going to be um, more likely, I would imagine. I'm binding that as well with a lot of the teens I'm working with, um, which is a different from a parenting standpoint, but my kids are the same way as well, that if I can engage with them with what they're wanting to do... <laughs> If I follow their lead, um, and I never mentioned this, but my training is as a speech-language pathologist, so communication uh-huh. is kind of my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so true that you, with young children and with school-age children, if you can engage with where they're at, with what they're interested in, with what's drawing their attention, they are going to Follow back in that conversation. But if I come in there with my own agenda, with um, my own material, with my own conversational topic, I don't have a leg to stand on. They're not going to want to hear that conversation. Um, but if I at least can find a small window into what they're interested in and then from within that world um, offer questions open ended questions are really really important so it's not the yes no's it's not the loaded leading questions but you know how do the how do you think that person feels when they saw that nobody cared about them after they had their panic attack or how do you think she felt after she lost her grandma or uh, have you ever thought about what would happen after you died? So again, like within whatever media they're consuming, and again, ideally books, (laughs) my (laughs) personal bias, um, those questions will be on their playing field because it's Mm. what they've engaged with. And then those tough conversations become a little bit easier to start because they're already there with you.
0: Yeah. So you're giving us some really good practical, uh, And tactical tips of asking open ended questions. Are there any other ways that parents can better engage our kids as they wrestle with things like faith and mental health and technology through books and story?
1: I would say that, again, being a really great listener is also really key. Mm -hmm. I think all too often we want to dive in and have the solutions. And we may have some really great ideas. And I'm not saying that we don't, but. There's something to be said about just being heard. And one of the biggest um, strategies that a lot of counselors use is to just listen and to be a receptive listener, that active listening where you're engaging with your child, you're nodding, you're, you're rephrasing what they've said so that they know that you've heard it. You're willing to give them as much time as they need. And then when they're finished, you're only asking those questions that help them elaborate on what they're already saying to you so that you can get as much information as possible about their perspective. Because one of the other things I've noticed is I work a lot with children who have social communication difficulties and that perspective taking is something that we're losing a lot of when we're on media that is one-sided. So we're not realizing that back and forth conversation. And so sometimes it's hard for uh, kids to engage in knowing that they have a perspective and my mom or dad has a different perspective. Right. And we don't give them enough time to let their perspective be heard. So if we can do that and we can give them as much time as they need to share and air <laughs> whatever grievances they have. And then rephrase it and say, yeah, I heard you. You're telling me that this is where it's all happening. Like this issue is stemming from you know, your friend or whatever. Um, I never knew that before. Like that is really helpful for me because if I just jumped in right now, I would have assumed it was something different. Mm-hmm. And you're getting their buy-in from that right there for sure.
0: Right. We're reflecting back to them. And, and then that's such a great way of modeling how to show empathy in conversation mm-hmm. and, and try to look at things from another person's perspective.
1: Oh, absolutely. And again, that's one of the reasons why I love um, the written word because we get to actually enter into the point of view character's head. And so we yes. hear that <laughs> empathetic train of thought going on that in out loud conversations, you can sort of pick up from facial expression, body language, tone of voice, but you're guessing. Yeah. Whereas in a book, you know, <laughs> which is lovely. <laughs> Absolutely. Anything else that you want to share with us that we haven't touched on yet? Um, no that that last piece about um, again the the neat thing about books being that you do get to enter into the character's head is something unique that you don't have when you're watching a TV show or YouTube or mm-hmm. um, having reading somebody's quick social media posts. You have a guess based on what they're saying, but you don't actually know what's happening behind the screen or within their head. And um, again, not, some novelists are better at this than others, um, but going deep within their headspace is something that I think as a culture, we're, we're starting to lose the ability to do as well. And um, I really do think that's a critical piece that as parents, that empathy piece, that perspective taking piece, those are critical skills to emotional intelligence. They're critical to being successful in any kind of relationship, whether that's like a family, personal, or work relationship. Um, Teens need those skills. Because if you can't pick up on empathy and um, somebody's social thinking, you're going to have a really tough time um, being able to serve and um, grow those relationships and share your heart with them and share your faith. So, again, those are just really critical pieces that, that, again, as parents, I think... We need to try and find ways to sneak it in. (laughs) Yes.
0: And the reality is we as adults need to cultivate that in ourselves as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Tara, tell us where we can find your books
1: and where we can find you online. Absolutely. Um, So I am online at tarakross.com or under Hope Prose. So I also have a podcast for YA books that are clean and Christian Um, And that podcast is the Hope Pros Podcast. Um, I'm also on all the social medias because that's where my youth are. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm on Twitter and Instagram and they can be found through my website, um, which is also convenient. Um, Yeah, and I've got my first novel coming out in May through Illuminate YA and it's called Fade to White. And it will be, yeah, 10 years of – Um, working with teens and my own experiences with anxiety um, and all the emotional resonance that I have had wrapped into one girl's story, one girl's story who's been um, through a lot of loss, and then um, how she's dealing with her anxiety in the wake of another student's suicide. So it's Mm. very near and dear to my heart. And I hope that, um, yeah, that other teens can resonate with it and it can be a story starter for them with their parents as well. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Thank you so much
1: for all the work that's
0: gone into that and putting that in the world to help our kids process through those things and help us start conversations with them about it. Oh, thank you so much. All right. So because the show is Lively Conversations, Tara, tell me something that's filling you with life right now.
1: Well, I do have a new puppy who has um, come into our family over the last few months. And man, does he ever bring a lot of joy. <laughs> yes. Bundle of energy. Yeah, we were just talking about that before. But yeah, his name's Gray. So he's he's a fabulous writing companion, I've got to tell you. Um, and yeah, my youth ministry work, I have been serving in some capacity over the past 10 years, but more recently have become more actively involved in our own church's youth program. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just been this great opportunity to pair passions that I think God's put on my heart um, with a love for communicating, and you know, being able to share my story with them now has been such a joy. It really, really
0: has. Tara, thank you so much for being on Lively Conversations Parents Only episode. We really appreciate all the insight and the uh, the thought provoking
1: things that you brought to the table today. Well, well, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time.
0: Lively's, I don't know about you, but my soul feels like it's just full of oxygen from that conversation with her. Like I can breathe a little more deeply. I can breathe at a slower pace, just thinking about how I can engage my kids in better conversations through looking a little more in depth at story and about the, the change in a character and the things that they face and the things that they overcome and even just some of the topics that come up through novels. And so I'm inspired to utilize this downtime that we have at home to talk more using stories. And I hope that you walked away feeling inspired for that too. I mentioned at the top of the show that Lexi was expressing herself creatively, and the blanket is still not done, but I've encouraged her to do that. She's also started scrapbooking, so that's been kind of fun to see an old hobby of mine resurrected in our home. I want you to know that I am praying for you, and I am thinking of you, and that if there's anything that we can do to serve you better during this time, please reach out to us and let us know. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time at the table.